coaster? I'm using your coaster. No, I'm... That, I, anyway. Welcome to Prefer Not To, a weekly sometime cocktail hour. Always cocktail hour. With your hosts, Josh and Kate. Every week, Kate and I sample a cocktail. We talk about its history, render some kind of verdict on it, go on to talking about movies and TV and stuff that we saw that week, and then give you some recommendations, read a letter to the editor, and send you on your way in less than an hour. How are things, Kate? Things are thingin'. You saw your ward today. I... That's the noise you're talking about. That's the noise. I did. I did see him today. We went to the library. <laughs> now you're talking like RoboCop. I am trying to not do that. I the... like how you saw it the minute that you made it. You heard it. Uh, yeah, we went to the library today. Uh, how's his poopy situation going? It's good. He uh, didn't have an accident at all today. That's So he fully took care of his own needs on the toilet? Uh, one time was during our routine, sit down, let's see if you need to potty. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, I'm peeing. And then the mm. next time we came back from the library and I said, okay, do you need to potty? And he actually said, yes. And then went over to the potty and took off his pants and his underwear and peed. Sunrise, sunset. <laughs> Standard disclaimer, Kate and I will very likely mangle your favorite drink. We're not really cocktail experts, but we're trying to learn. At what point did we become cocktail experts, though? I don't know. You know? I think many years of liver problems. Okay. Which leads me to our second standard disclaimer, which is that alcoholism is a serious disease, like shingles or kuru. You don't need to have shingles or kuru to enjoy our show. What is kuru? It was a a madness contracted by Papuan New Guinean uh, cannibal islanders. From what? From cannibalism. From eating human meat? Mm-hmm. It was similar to... Zombieism? No. Oh. Similar to mad cow disease. <laughs> Does that mean that we have it inside of us, like right now? No. Only evil. Oh, but... Okay, I'm no gonna... No kuru, just evil inside you. I'm gonna read about that later. About kuru or evil? Both. Okay. Hey, so what are we drinking today? We are having Pim's cups. What's a Pim? Why do we have his cup? So Pimm's is a liqueur based with gin that was first produced by James Pimm in 1823. Pimm was the owner of an oyster bar near the Bank of England in London, which catered to the wealthier upper-class businessmen who would often lunch and eat dinner there. He produced it originally as a digestive aid. Here's to the upper-class businessmen who lunch. He originally produced it as a digestive aid, which makes sense given that he's serving like oysters in 19th mm-hmm. century England. This is not the first drink that we've had that was a digestive aid, which leads me to think that diet in the 19th century was somewhat problematic. I think that booze in general was always seen as an aid because it makes you feel better. Like, that's why it's used in, like, snake oil, you know? Yeah, this is, like, back before they had discovered science and shit. <laughs> So in 1851, Pim began to produce his drink in mass to keep up with other businesses in the area. And in 1859, he started producing it commercially. So, Josh, as you might be wondering, what is Pim's? What is Pim's? And what is what what are we drinking? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're drinking the official Pim's cup recipe from Pim's.com. It's one part Pim's number one, three parts chilled lemonade. And you can add a bunch of different things to it, including mint, cucumber, strawberries, oranges, uh, you can also substitute lemonade for lemon lime soda or ginger ale mm-hmm. or champagne. 
Um, the number one part comes out because this is Pim's number one, which is a secret recipe of dry gin, fruit, herbs, and spices with a little bit of red color. The recipe is only known to six people at any given time, supposedly. Mm-hmm. So it's right up there with like the Coke recipe mm-hmm. and who Carly Simon wrote You're So Vain about, right. which is only known to like two people. For a With while, the words to the justified theme. <laughs> for a while, Pim's produced other varieties, aka numbers, with similar recipes that switched out the gin for other liquors like Scotch Pim's was Pim's number two. Mm-hmm. There's a Brandy Pim's that was Pim's number three. Mm-hmm. And then they also made different numbers with uh, rum, vodka, tequila. Ugh. Most of those were phased out in the 1970s. Wasn't, wasn't Brandy Pim's in, uh, in vogue? Yes. Uh, so most of the other varieties were phased out in the 1970s when the company started to kind of decline and then it was bought by the people that now own Guinness. And so they did some rebranding and stuff in the 1990s and 2000s. And now it is a, very much a staple. Who is that? Who? The owner. Diageo. I can't pronounce Diageo? it. Yeah, Diageo? Yeah, It's a big liquor. It's like one of the world's biggest liquor well, companies. Oh, okay. Well, they acquired, they, they acquired Guinness and so therefore they acquired Pems. Our show basically is an ad for Diageo every week. Diageo. I think that's how you say it. Diageo, I don't know. Prefer not to. Brought to you by Diageo. Um, Diageoed. Other variations exist of the Pim's Cup, including like uh, the Pim Royale is Pim's with champagne. What, what, how do you say Pim's with cheese? Pim's with cheese? What? Never mind. Okay. I was really making a Pulp Fiction joke. Oh, ha 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 ha. I thought you were saying my I would it would sound funnier if I said pencil cheese like it would be like penciled cheese or I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, uh, hold on. Why is it that you thought I was saying pencil cheese? I thought you were trying to trick me into saying something like you know if you say something because fast, I'm Rumpelstiltskin. No, but if you say something fast enough, it sounds different. What? Never. <laughs> like rubber balls and liquor. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm trying. I can't think of an example right now. Like she shells, she shells. Are this she shower? Okay. Like if you say ears with a British accent. It's yes. Exactly. Right. That's what I was, but I thought you were trying to get me to do. No, like, you just had to say ears. That's saying yes, like you're a big fancy rich English Exactly. Person. But I thought you were doing one of those things like say Royale with cheese or say pens with cheese. Gotcha. And it would come out sounding like, you know, a history of. Say know, my butt. name is Kate and I'm a stupid butt. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so today Pims is a very, very much a day drinking, warm weather beverage. It's enjoyed at various sporting events such as Wimbledon, the Henley Royal Regatta, and American and British polo matches. At Wimbledon in 2011, like, like King Don, King Don Henley. At Wimbledon in 2011, for example, more than 200,000 cups were served, mm-hmm. which is why Josh and I are wearing ascots right now. And uh, monocle, uh, and I have a handlebar mustache, yep. pith helmet, mm-hmm. and uh, several Indian coolies to wait on my hand and foot. I'm wearing my Halloween costume from a few years ago when I went as Eliza Doolittle, mm-hmm. which I'm sorry if my hat is in your way. It, it is. It's big and white and floppy. You're terribly gauche. Hmm. The rain in Spain. Everyone who should be here is here. So how's it taste, Josh? The cucumber is somewhat prominent. I don't know if it's because the cucumber is floating on top and every bit of booze goes right through it. doesn't mean it's not tasty, though. It's very refreshing and has an original taste. It is unlike other drinks that we have had. Oh, God, yes. Mm, this is delicious. Isn't it? It's very refreshing. I highly recommend it as like a, you know, if you're ordinarily drinking 
gin and lemonade or gin and Sprite or something. This is a refreshing alternative. I think Laura's going to drink the shit out of this. It doesn't have bubbles. But we can put bubbles in it. And and not be violating the spirit of the... Yeah. No. King Don won't hunt us down and send his witchy woman after you us. You mean James Pym? No, King Don Henley. From the Henley Regatta. Okay. I'm just picturing Don Henley in like his scraggly beard from like the uh, the Boys of Summer video with a little with a little crown lording it over his subject. But then like he'd have right beside him, you know, the little boy from the Boys of Summer video mm. playing the drums. And and he'd be like a little like scary like he'd just have that scary little boy right next to him playing the drums, no matter what King Don like every pronouncement that King Don Henley says he just has that little boy with the you have no idea what I'm talking about. I've never I've never seen the music video now. Don Boys of Summer, mm-hmm. the Don Henley song, is the, the empirical proof of even a stop clock is right twice a day cuz it's a good song. Okay. Yeah, but you like the Eagles, don't you? Cuz it's just part of your whole yacht rock oeuvre. I don't hate the Eagles as much as everybody else seems to. I think they're just as shitty as a bunch of other shitty 70s bands. That's very true. I think they have been unfairly singled out among a bunch of... It's because they were more successful than all of the other shit. They're, they're, you know, they're certainly no worse than, say, Journey. No. Yeah, I would... In fact, I would argue and say that Journey's worse. Journey's a pretty bad band. But yeah. what do we know? This is not... We don't know shit about music. Although, hey, Cigarras on Game of Thrones. It's another tequila sunrise. <laughs> You're just going to walk right past Game of Thrones, aren't you? Well, yeah, so Sigur Ross was on Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, singing the one song that exists in... Two. There's two. There's the Bear and the Maiden right, Fair, the and, and then the there's the Reigns of Castamere. Right. And those are the only two songs that exist in Westeros. Well, I don't, you know... It's not going to be like a jug band playing Freebird or something. <laughs> you want to do our movies? Yeah, sure. Okay. So Kate and I are making a tour through the number one movies that were number one during the course of our lives, because this week we have two quality movies. Is this the first time we've had two quality movies? I think it depends on your definition of quality. Well, you liked both the movies this week, didn't you? I didn't really care for Major League, but we'll get into that. So our movies were 1974's The Conversation and 1990 or 89? 89. 89's Major League. Want me to go first or you want to go first? I'll go first. Okay. So The Conversation is a 1970s political espionage thriller directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Harry Call, played by Gene Hackman, is a private investigator slash surveillance expert who focuses on audio recording. His friends called him a bugger, which I am not sure is meant to be demeaning or not. But as we meet him and his team... They're revealed to be recording two people, Cindy Williams, who you may know as Shirley, and Frederick Forrest, in a what appears to be innocuously weird and bland and yet nonsensical conversation that they are having, hence the title of the movie, in Union Square. Oh, that's what it means. (laughs) In Union Square in San Francisco. As they continue to record, excuse me, as they continue to record his co-worker, John Cazal, uh is super interested in what they're recording about and wants to know what they're recording about. And Harry is very specific after admonishing him not to take the Lord's name in vain, that it's not their job to care about what the recording is. It's just their job to get a good recording. And that sort of sets up the central conflict of the movie between Harry's sense of his job and his fear that what he does is actually contributing to evil in the world. A very 70s problem that we, you know, a, the sort of fear of a surveillance state, 
which you know we have now, and be the the not knowing whether or not you're doing the right thing and making the world a worse place. So, and that sort of translates over to his private life, where he's sort of compartmentalized everything from one another. He's very closed off in his private life. He yells at his landlady because his mail is insecure, and he has this girlfriend slash kept woman played by Terry Gar in a really heartbreaking way, who is very lonely. She wears these white tube socks around her apartment and she knows nothing about him and he won't tell her where he lives or what he does for a living. Even the other wiretappers regard him as something of an aberration because he's A, so very good at what he does and B, so very paranoid about what he does. Uh, Eventually he becomes caught in a sort of tug of war with a mysterious client who hired him, who remains faceless for much of the movie. Uh, when he comes to believe that the recording is going to jeopardize someone's life, I don't want to get too much into the details because I think the movie has several good twists that I don't want to, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to reveal. But we learn that this isn't the first time that his work has caused injury to other people, and he's sort of racked by this very deep religious fear that his actions, as much as he has tried to isolate himself from the consequences of his actions, that his actions will lead to someone's death yet again. Kate, what do you think of the movie? I liked the movie a lot. Um, I'm going to say something that I'm probably going to regret when we listen to this again. Is it weird that I found Gene Hackman sexy in this movie? I think what's interesting about him is in the movie is that he seems sort of timeless. Like, even in the 70s, he doesn't really look like a 70s character. You know, his picture, if you took a picture of that character, it could have easily been a giant nerd in 1940 or a giant nerd in 1990, you know? And I think he sort of existed out of time. And again, that's sort of his compartmentalization from the other characters in the movie. So I think maybe what you found accessible or relatable to him, I don't know, was that he sort of didn't seem of a piece with the movie. I don't know. What do you think? I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I just thought he was really cute and yeah. sexy. And more so here than in a supposedly like romantic lead, like mm-hmm. the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> Although he, there was no girl in that. He he found a way to touch every... We, we've they talked did. about that. He found a way to fondle well, every Well, you character. mentioned, again, and this is something we've talked about in the show, that this is from a period in the 1970s when there were... Unfortunately, this has never been the rule for women, but in the 1970s, there was a period when men who were not conventionally attractive could be considered leading men in movies. You know, people like Gene Hackman or James Caan, who I still maintain is weird-looking. Mm. Um Oh, it's the chest hair. That's what it was for both uh, for both of them. For both of those guys, Hackman and Con. It's the chest hair. <laughs> or, or you know, Joe Don Baker in Walking Tall, <laughs> which was a huge hit. Which, by the way, we're going to do on the show sometime. Oh Jesus! Or Elliot Gould. You know, people who um, were big stars in the seventies, but who are not not pretty men per se. Of course, Burt Reynolds put all, put put all that in the ground because he's very pretty. He's not pretty. You don't think he's pretty? He's got like a Cro-Magnon brow. Dude, he has the hairiest chest of any of those people. If yeah, you're into hairy chest. No, I didn't. That, I didn't say that. That's why I didn't find him attractive. You just you were saying that. To correct me. Mm-hmm. You were saying that Burt Reynolds is attractive. Yes, like physically. I mean, in the I'm face. not gay, so I you know I'm just. But guessing. you would you would say that he? I is think he is conventionally attractive because he has those dimples. When he ha- doesn't have the mustache, I think he's more conventionally attractive. I like would in the say longest he has, yard. He has a very prominent brow. Yeah. He has that he does have He look. does have a really cute smile. Yeah. He has very cute dimples. He has a big smile. He has that sort of glint in his eye. 
again, it, he grew the mustache and basically looked exactly like Clark Gable, which I don't think was... You don't think so? You don't think he looks... I think Burt Reynolds and Clark Gable are sort of dead ringers at times. Mm, I w- okay, maybe at times, but not in anything I've really seen him in. And you don't usually like thrillers either. So I what don't. was it about this movie that sort of put it... Was it the fact that it was so character-driven? I guess I liked the twist at the end mm-hmm. and the slow reveal of that. Mm-hmm. And I guess just the... The That's atmosphere true. It wasn't like a of the bombshell movie. twist. It was you get the twist and then it sort of teases out. It takes about ten minutes at the end for the twist to sort of tease itself out all the way to the final shot. Yeah, and I liked the the final scene was mm-hmm. really good. That's um, one of the great final scenes in, yeah. in movies. So I mean, I guess it was more about the development of the character and like the general maison of Francis Ford Coppola and mm-hmm. the actors and everything. I found the to the conversation the in the conversation mm-hmm. to be very annoying mm-hmm. and i oh, wanted it to but stop but i think we were meant to i think we were meant to find it as sort of this content without you know without meaning it was ju- that it was the fact that it was such a nonsensical conversation made it easier for us to identify with harry's goal of not caring what was in there, these conversations yeah um also harrison ford First screen appearance. Very young. Was it his first? Was I this before so. American Graffiti? I don't think it was before American Graffiti. I didn't even know he was in American yep. Graffiti. He's the guy at the end with the with the drag race. Anyway, he's really cute. He's super cute. Yep. I, I, I agree. I think this movie, um, and again, having seen, and I know you have heard this a lot in the past couple of days, but having seen the Captain America, the Winter Soldier this week, which is sort of, there are some scenes that I think are conscious allusions to specifically this movie, but which I think is, if you look at the concrete, cold architecture of the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters where Robert Redford has his office, is very much like the concrete building that Harry has to keep going back into and visiting uh, his boss, the client. Uh, but there's also the movie itself is a sort of more broad homage to this kind of movie from the 70s, like this and The Parallax View and Three Days of the Condor and things like that, none of which I think you've seen. But no. Which was a very big genre back then. Um, so I like that. Again, I think I think this movie is basically perfect. You know, you I like how it's not really revealed what his boss does. And for a while, it seems like it might even be the government that's hiring him. And at one point he says, I don't care. It could be government. It could be anybody. That, that's sort of kept intentionally vague. I like that this movie has a really strong narrative momentum without being too plotty. It, it, the character, the, the development of his character goes hand in hand with the development of the plot, which seems like sort of a no-brainer thing to say about but a story. hard to do. But hard to do, especially for Francis Coppola, who is not known for making trim, lean motion pictures. <laughs> um, I think, I wish he had made more movies like this in his career that were really sort of tightly focused like this. What, Dracula wasn't focused enough for you? He makes some great movies. I'm just saying he's not known for making small, focused No, movies. I know. And oh, and the score is perfect. That it's sort of this weird looping yeah, piano really score that has some distortion to it, like the recordings do at times. So it's perfect. I, I there's nothing bad I can say about this movie. Okay, so what did you, what was your movie, Kate? My movie was 1989's Major League, starring Charlie Sheen, Rene Russo, Wesley Snipes, and Tom Berenger. It is largely an ensemble movie, so there's a lot of other names in there as well. The plot revolves around the Cleveland Indians. Their owner purposefully puts a ragtag, horrible group of has-beens and other players together in the hopes that they'll bomb 
their next season and get attendance down because there is a clause in her contract with Cleveland that if the attendance of the games get below 800,000, she can move the franchise to another city, which she wants to do for reasons it's not really explained. Um, So she puts together this horrible group of players in the hopes that they're going to bomb. And then eventually the truth comes out about her motives. And so the team bands together and unites to try and win the division pennant or title or World Series or some something. I don't know. And that's the movie. I mean, okay, so I found it to be like a pretty standard sports movie. Josh uh, mentioned throughout the entire time we were watching it, this is so much like The Longest Yard over and over. Or or The Bad News Bears or any number of other 70s sports movies. Uh, it also reminded me of The Replacements, which was a movie with Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves from 2000. Uh, I've never been a big fan of sports movies. I kind of find there's like the narrative is almost always the same, and so it kind of gets boring. Plus, I don't really like sports. It was kind of the same with this movie. Additionally, Renee Russo was in it, being another Golden Vagina trophy. Um, yeah, but I liked, until the last scene where she held up her hand and is like, I'm not engaged anymore. I like that she just went off and had casual sex with an ex, even though she was still engaged. I thought that was kind of the kind of thing you would see in a 70s movie, but not that you would see today. Yeah, I just, I wonder, this is like her third appearance in the movie sec on movie time, and uh, she's always just a sex object. You know, I think she took a lot of roles because she knew that she had a limited window. She was already in her 40s when she became a star, so she was sort of grabbing onto the roles, and, you know, she made a, she was in a lot of big-budget movies. She was in, uh, you know, the Lethal Weapon movies. She was in this. She was in Tin Cup, which we saw. She was in uh, that Thomas Crown movie that all the girls like Get to watch Shorty. Right. She had a real limited window, made a ton of movies, and now she's sort of functionally retired. Well, yep, so that was, I don't know, what'd you think of the movie? I, I like it, mostly for what it's trying to do, less than what it did. You know, there was a, when I was a kid, there was a big 10-year window when we didn't have any of these sort of fun sports comedies. So, like, just as I was getting to adolescence was when the age of, like, Bad News Bears was ending. So, and then it was, I was in high school before... Uh, Bull Durham came out, which sort of relaunched the fun sports comedy, which I think this movie is sort of a direct follow-up to, although it's less character-driven and more just goofy and fun. I just thought it was it's goofy and fun, and I like even though the movie wasn't apparently actually shot in Cleveland, I like that it is has a real sense of space and it's in a real place or set in a real place. I don't know. It just had that sort of feel of those, like I said, The Longest Yard or... Uh, Bad News Bears, 70s sports movies where it's sort of loosey-goosey and there's a lot of sex and people doing funny things. You know, the plot doesn't go very far. I think it was weird that Tom Berenger is ostensibly the lead, but his story with Rene Russo is just like a dead fish on the screen. Uh, I don't have any interest in his, you know, relationship with her or the success or failure thereof. I'm much more interested in, you know, Charlie Sheen or Wesley Snipes or fucking President David Palmer. Oh yeah, yeah. He was no. in the, that. Was, he was funny. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's a, a fun, inoffensive sports movie. All right. Hey, you want to go mix some more drinks and well, come what back? Are, for... What are our movies for next week? Well, I don't know quite yet. Um, we were gonna do At Long Last Love and Bird on a Wire, but I'm having some trouble getting At Long Last Love. So. Oh. Okay. We will see. <laughs> So you 
don't think the kid in the Don Hanley video is creepy? No. Okay. I mean, it's not any creepier than any other image that you would find in any given music video. Yeah, okay. Oh, hey, you didn't watch the Kitchen Nightmares, uh, what's her name, right? Well, you, you, said it was, you said it was just... Yeah, it was a rip-off. They completely ripped us off. Like, I wanted to do Kitchen Nightmares and talk to everybody about it, but then it turned out it was just a complete repackaging of the Amy's Baking Company from last year with, like, ten minutes of new footage. Yeah, so that's why I didn't watch it. Yeah, fuck that shit. Uh, let's yep. see. Oh, yeah, yeah, before I forget, the uh, the new E-Trade commercial <laughs> that is driving us crazy. Did we talk about that on the show already, or did no. I just tweet about it? No, I, don't, I didn't know if you tweeted. I don't read your Twitter. Oh. I mean, read your Twitter all the time, obsessively, late at night under my covers. <laughs> no, but there's this E-Trade ad, which, by the way, I, did, I didn't even know it was E-Trade. I had to think about it uh, until today, but... Where they're singing, is it supposed to be that they're singing Pharrell Williams Happy or just a song that sounds like Pharrell Williams Happy? Like. Okay. Uh, and and they're saying, I've got type E. No. Right? No. They're saying, that's why oh. I'm type E. Oh, like I'm type A, they're type E. I guess. Right. But it sounds like it's an ad full of people saying, that's why I've diabetes. It sounds yeah, it's like, like it's a bunch I, of... I've got diabetes. Right. It sounds like a bunch of people singing about how they have... Or And then when I figured out it was about type E, I think there's like type E diabetes <laughs> in addition to type 1 and type 2, which, I, you know, now I have to worry about getting type E. Or like hepatitis type E. Right. Did you see that they found a cure for type C? No. Hep C, like they have, a, there's a new medication out that has something like a 95% response rate. Pam Anderson's going to be so happy. Right. Now it was all worth fucking that huge horse cock for three years or however long they were married. Did she get it from Tommy Lee? Yeah, I thought she got it from oh. Tommy Lee. I thought she got it from a weird transfusion or some shit. She blamed it on not sex. Okay. Whatever, you know, people should have sex. People shouldn't have hepatitis C, which is why it's good. Uh, and people should have horse cocks. No, people shouldn't have a horse Yeah, cock. but if everybody had a horse cock, even now and then... If everybody uh, had a horse cock... I'm just saying, like, how would you know the, the beauty of a horse cock? Because everyone would have one. Then you would come to want a giraffe cock. I don't know. Do giraffes have big cocks? You know, statistically speaking, <laughs> humans have the biggest cocks. You mean proportional to body size? No. Oh. Yeah. We should research this and put it in show notes. Okay. Which species has the biggest dog? It, it's it, it. Humans are on the the big on the list. They think it's a it's because hum, human males we don't have a lot of sexual dimorphism other than that. Mm. It, men and women are basically so it was the um, they think it was a like a like a peacock's tail type thing, like showing off to women. My my, my dude, not that I show off to women, my dude. <laughs> Ever, ever since the transit authority made it very clear that was not appropriate. Uh, hey, do you want to explain us to me? Yeah. All right. So Kate and I look at Us Weekly every week, and Kate explains who these people on the you know, cover are. Sorry, I'm going to go back here. If, if I Google animals' biggest dongs or, like, mm -hmm. you know, the biggest penises. You won't be the first person in the internet. Um, but it... Like how much how much penis do you think I'm actually gonna see? Like animal or human? A lot, right? I think you're gonna see precisely as much penis as you want to see. Which is usually around zero. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, like we've talked about penises. Yeah, we've talked about penises before. Once or twice. <laughs>
I'm looking at you, Liam. He's right up there. The penises are right up there with like Eddie Murphy and Planet of the Apes with our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like shit, we just back to the well. Fucking Terrence Stamp. <laughs> oh, did we talk about Eddie Murphy's house being up for sale with the Shrek room? We, we did not. Okay, so I was reading this in the paper the other day. Eddie Murphy, one of his beach houses, or no, it's near uh, Sacramento. One of the houses he owns near Sacramento is up for sale. And one of the things that the article mentioned about this house is that it has a full Shrek-themed bedroom, <laughs> which I really, really, really hope is either for children or child guests, but really probably just for children, because I don't think Eddie Murphy should be having child guests. <laughs> um is there a picture of said bedroom anywhere? No, it just said full Shrek, full, as though there are those of us who have partial Shrek-themed bedrooms. <laughs> An accent wall. Right, I just, right, I have my, my Shrek trophy nook. This is uh, where I have my donkey, and I have, uh, you know, my, my personal watercolor that I made of uh, Fiona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm but I, it, yeah. a full Shrek-themed bedroom. How much money do you think he spent from his Shrek paycheck? To make the Shrek room, you know? Well, I'm wondering if you could spend out of the Shrek marketing budget. It's like, hey, I'm doing it's a Shrek thing. I'll, I'll get on MTV's The Crib Show with my Shrek bedroom. Yeah, but if there's no pictures out there that exist. I'm not saying they don't exist. I just said I'm too lazy to find them for the show. All right, I'm going to put that on my list for the show. Yeah, I also, by the way, Kate does wonderful show notes, so if you only listen to the show via iTunes or Stitcher, visit our website and look at the show notes. Kate has made some interesting links, most of which involve how I'm stupid and she's right in every argument that we have. It's true. Okay, so Us Magazine. Yeah, sorry, I gotta just sidetracked. Learn me up on who them peoples is. That is Jessica, okay, okay. well, it so says- we got a wedding. The countdown wedding diet. Determined to get their best bodies ever, Jessica and Lauren race to slim down before summer. Along with a lot of the issue also promises a lot of wedding details. Uh, this is Jessica Simpson and Lauren Conrad. Lauren Conrad is one of those The Hills people, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she is the, okay, the Hills person. Okay. No, because there was the other one with Spencer Pratt and his creepy beard. Yeah, but that was from... No, they weren't on Laguna Beach, were they? Or did yeah. they jump to the hills I don't with give Lauren? A fuck. Okay, so then we have uh, photos of Kate Middleton and Will on a family. See, we're having the Pims on the day that we talk mm-hmm, about royalty. Mm-hmm. That's classic. They are in New Zealand right now Man, on a press a tour. Lovely, that is a lovely outfit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's like Jackie O ask. I'm gonna have to post a photo of her and her blazer with and like the striped the shirt. The baby has an "I made a poopy face." The baby has a who the fuck are all you people leave me alone face. That baby. George. That baby got so lucky. That baby is richer than I am so or lucky. ever will be. Yeah, although, in his defense, anyone who is born heir to a kingdom, mm-hmm. there's like a, let's, you know, like one in five chance, historically speaking, that you end up on fire or your head cut off. So there is a 20% chance <laughs> that that kid is going to get his head cut off. I'm just saying, historically judging. So, you know, being a king, eh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it nice happen. until it's not. It could happen. Yeah. Those British, they kind of pent up, those British people. They got to let it out. Yeah. Well, they do when they drink pims. They. I can only assume. And then we got uh, Candace Cameron and her weird hockey husband and their super creepy submit to your husband marriage. Uh, yeah. Basically, she felt the need to defend her marriage because she she made some kind of because comment. Because it's indefensible. 
she made some kind of comment about how you know he is ultimately the boss and she she submits to him which then changes in this interview to mean that you know it's the biblical sense of being submissive meaning that she's meek not completely submissive but like ultimately you that's what they always come back at you with they always come back at with it but you don't give the full verse it's wives submit to your husbands as we submit to the church or as we submit to christ it's like that's still not telling me it doesn't say husbands submit to anybody except christ and since christ isn't around i'm assuming that means that your husband is the boss uh yeah or your father and then your father gives you a way to a man it's the weakest argument possible for what is an indefensible worldview well then she went on to say you know that they all have their part and they all contribute and you know discuss in the family and that she's really happy but well, you know, ultimately that bullshit complementarianism but ultimately there's only one president who makes the final decision and and who voted on that she, and do we com- get to vote every two years on whether she she uh yeah she yeah. she compared her husband to the president of the yeah. united states really so there's checks and balances she's saying and if he does something that's say illegal or unconstitutional the other branches of the household can overrule it and overrule him and if that happens then is she the is she the the like the legislative branch or is she the supreme court i'm, I'm sure she's one of them because it's all co-equal and they all you know but there's only two people in the yeah also that is a fucked up view of the presidency in addition to being a fucked up view that's how we get george w bush is people who think we elect a fucking king yeah all right and then kardashian crisis why is there a crisis and who is rob rob is the brother so there's kim chloe courtney and rob it's are all like kardashians Cobb. proper like as in not chris kardashian and uh oh right because he's named for the dad yeah, yeah, yeah. And other Robert Kardashian. Because there's four uh, pure-blood Kardashians, I guess. And then there's That's from the a track, isn't it? Oh, we've invaded the planet of the pure-blooded Kardashians. And then there's four or five. There's a million Jenner, Jenner Kardashian types. Anyway, so he's the youngest. They, they're going to move to Henley Island. He's the youngest of the original four. Uh, apparently, he he was not included in this year's Christmas card. <laughs> Because, you know, the the Kardashians do a really extreme <laughs> Christmas I can only assume that year. that is Kardashian Christmas card KKK. <laughs> so they do an, a really blown up Christmas card every single year. Apparently he and Lamar Odom, because Lamar and Courtney, uh, right. Chloe, Chloe wow. are going through a divorce right now. Anyway, they weren't, he wasn't included. Details. Apparently he moved to Florida to get away from his family mm-hmm. and he doesn't even want to attend Kim's wedding. To Kanye, when you move to Florida, everything gets sort of muggy. And I think he's slow. sick. He's sick of his family. Apparently, their mom, Kris Jenner, hats off to him. You know what? Get out of that family. Yeah. Apparently, his mom told him he'd have to lose seventy pounds before the wedding, or else he couldn't go. And so, either two stories on this: either Rob was like "fuck you" and moved to Florida, or he is desperately trying to lose the weight because he wants to be there for his sister. And he's going to get like a lap band staple gastro. Don't do that, man. That's blue serious. Blue. Don't do that. We, need, we should watch, you know what You know what movie was one, oh, number one in America for one week hmm. in 1980? Fatso with Dom DeLuise. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Anne Bancroft. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the thing. Okay. That's, that's us So that's us, week. Maggie. I like Jessica Simpson, as we've discussed before. So. She, I mean, she's been engaged for like five years, Is though. it just me, though? Or is Us Magazine, like, almost every week having some sort of weird sop 
to crazy right wing politics because they had Duck Dynasty for several weeks and they have this Candace Cameron. Well, she's shit. she's back in the news because she is on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, this I know, but I'm thinking, well, she's on Dancing with the Stars because she's a sop to right wing crazy people like <gasps> Bristol Palin. Oh, was. that's another thing. Apparently, her husband learned to speak English by watching episodes of Full House. Oh, that's creepy. Oh, that's really creepy. <laughs> that's like marrying Jennifer Connelly because you watched her when she was a naked 11-year-old in Once Upon a Time in America. And so that, that was an, that's an extra level of creepiness right there. Oh, that's creepy. Oh. But they've been married since 1996. Yeah, submit. Yeah. submit to your president. Slash husband. Ew. <laughs> My wife's going to impeach me. I'll have to get some quotes for show notes because it was really, really creepy. Okay. Let's explain us to me. You want to do some letters and some housekeeping? Let's do it. Do we have anything else that we needed to talk about? Pull up the little list here. Oh, I have something, but we didn't talk about it before the show. So Let's it. Lay it on me. Uh, so there's a controversy with RuPaul's Drag Race. I don't know if you heard about this. No. Um, do you remember a couple of weeks ago on the season where they did a challenge that where they gave pictures of like body parts and asked the queens to right whether it was, was a, a dude or a uh, crossdresser whether it was an actual lady uh, oh, let lady. me guess internet is angry because it's saying it's not an actual lady yeah so internet no, was mad it. at i don't want to hear about the justice patrol okay <laughs> no but here's the part that'll really interest you so there's this whole thing now the producers of rupaul's drag race have vowed that they will not use the word shemale including shemale like Girl, you got shemale. Actually, I think that's more appropriate. Like, that's a better... Because I, I thought that was kind of... you know. But the whole, like, is it a dude or... You know, come on. I mean, I can understand the term shemale being considered offensive. Yeah, but I don't think you can accuse RuPaul of being inconsiderate towards transgender. What? You know what? There are people in this world, Kate, who the only thing that gets them out of bed in the morning is the hope that they will go to bed angry that night. All right. So, letters to the editor and such... Hey, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at pntcast at gmail.com. That's our email. We're on Twitter at at pntcast. Tumblr is pntcast.tumblr.com. Web address is pntcast.wordpress.com. We're on Facebook if you search for Prefer Not To. We're on iTunes and Stitcher where we would love to get a review. Anything you like, anything you don't like. Uh, Drink suggestions if anybody has a favorite drink they want us to try and review. That would be wonderful, especially for the summer. Looking for fruity things. Mm-hmm. I've already and called. We're going to do the mint julep in May, but that's still. Right. But other than that. Oh, that's another thing I forgot to mention. I'm sorry. Uh, the Pimm's Cup is kind of like the mint julep to. Right. To Wimbledon. To Wimbledon. Whereas the mint julep is the official drink of the Derby. Right. So as is becoming a recurring motif, we have no letters to us this week. So when that happens, I read letters from newspapers around this great land of ours. And perhaps someday abroad. This letter is from the Biloxi Sun Herald in Biloxi, Mississippi. I thought that would be appropriate since we were going to watch Biloxi Blues and didn't last week. Yep. Hold on to your hats for this one, Kate. You wear multiple hats at a time. You're both your Eliza Doolittle bonnet and your Pim's Wimbledon Easter bonnet will be blown off by the sheer... Eh, you'll see. <laughs> Headline on the letter is The Cycle of Spring. From the Sun Herald in Biloxi, Gulfport. Is this about bicycles? No. Okay. Interrupt. This is just how you use raised. The Cycle of Spring by Gail Singley Laird. He's a prince among princes. His robes are jewel tones of indigo, ruby, and chartreuse. His entourage sparkles in neon indigo. And there are dozens of them. 
They dine on weeds gone to seed among clover and buttercups, and this little prince is starving. I've watched him feed on and off for two hours. They perch on branches of red roses to rest and observe. They are joined by legions clad in brown and rose and red and yellow. They are spring to me. Indigo buntings and painted buntings, finches and cardinals and warblers. And this morning I found the drowned bunny in the pool and the first of the deep purple Louisiana iris in full bloom. And that's from Gail Singley Laird of Past Christian. The shit. I have no earthly idea. I think she's talking about birds for much of it. And then there's a dead rabbit. She started out, I thought, well, this is going to be about Jesus. Because she said the king of right. whatever. And then, <laughs> the shit. There's actually a Facebook comment on the page from someone who says, is LSD back in vogue? <laughs> also, Indigo Buntings is a great band name. Also, what does neon indigo look like? I can see that. It would be like neon indigo. It would be like something you'd see at the Fontainebleau in Miami Beach or something. Let's see. So do you have anything you wanted to recommend this week? This is going to sound silly because I'm a very juvenile person, but I was going to recommend um, a TV show that I've become intimately familiar with over the past couple of weeks nannying. It is actually really cute. It's on Disney Junior. It's called uh, The Octonauts or just Octonauts. It, uh, it's about a, a group of animals that are sea explorers and they learn about marine creatures every week. Um, they're, most of them are British. So it's a little bit classier. Mm-hmm. The main characters are the uh, the right. captain, so who is a polar Britain, bear, and a pirate kitten. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's it's really cute. And I've had the theme song stuck in my head all week. So Is this available streaming anywhere, or do you know? Uh, it is not. <laughs> Darn it. Okay. Well, I'm going to recommend a couple of things. I mentioned Captain America the Winter Soldier already, which is number one in America, so I don't have to apparently recommend it to many people. And I'm really going out on a limb recommending a number one movie. But... I enjoyed it quite a bit. I enjoyed it more than The Avengers, I think. It was very good. It has a very physical sensibility in addition to, like I said earlier, being a homage to 70s thrillers. It really, for an action movie, has a very good physical sensibility, sense of movement, of choreography, of direction. One of the things I find frustrating in action movies recently is a lot of the really things are shot really close up with quick cuts so it's really difficult to tell where things are in relationship to one another and I know I sound like an old man when I say that but this is a movie that uses a variety of shot lengths and shot distances to do a very good job of establishing where things are and it has a very kinetic physical feel without feeling uh, overwhelming or or frenetic so I liked it very much but the thing that I'm going to recommend to watch at home is uh, a show that you can stream on Netflix called The Writer's Room. Uh, it's hosted by Oscar-winning screenwriter and star of Community, Jim Rash. And he meets with the writers and creators of television shows and talks with them about how they created the shows and the ideas that they used when they came up with it. And it's really good. The Breaking Bad episode is especially good. The American Horror Story episode was interesting. If, <laughs> you know, I have mixed feelings about that show. Well, but. that's pretty much how you could describe American Horror Story itself. Interesting. Right. But. So that's the writer's room and the Captain America movie that everybody's already seeing. So what would you think of the Pimm's cocktail? I can hear you gnashing on your cu- cucumber as it. I love the Pimm's cocktail. Yeah, I agree. The Pimm's cup, rather. It's super classy. I wish, I wish we had classier glasses in which to serve it. Yeah, so it's supposed to be served in a highball glass. Josh and I are currently drinking them out of... um. Uh, jack-o'-lantern tumblers. Yeah, plastic Halloween tumblers. That we got at the dollar store. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it quite a bit, too. I enjoy it. 
it, it's a little labor intensive for cocktails because you have to slice up multiple fruits. But yeah, you know, so no one has time for that shit. <laughs> so slicing. As always, for Kate, I am Josh. And for Josh, I'm Kate. We really enjoyed spending some time with you, and we hope you consider doing it again. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Diabetes. I got diabetes. You know, diabetes is serious. Type E diabetes, especially. Why are you opening? I hit the wrong thing. That's why I'm tired. I don't need no help. I'm on my own. That's why I'm type E. Mom, I'm type type E. You know, it's a credit to the commercial strength that it's still in my head, you know? Thank you.